Welcome to the special 2018 seasons of the Wealth Standard Podcast, celebrating life, liberty, and property. You are currently listening to Life Season 1. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Wealth Standard Podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe, and we are in episode 12 of the first season, 2018. And if you recall, we are talking about the principle of life. Now, I have an awesome guest here, and hopefully he doesn't divulge any any skeletons in the closet or whatever, but it's one of, one of my best friends, uh, Rock Jeffries. And uh, before we get to that, though, uh, make sure you you check out our new website. Uh, I think you guys will really, really dig it. And also, if you like what you hear, uh, go back and listen to the previous episodes, especially of this season, as well as uh, our YouTube channel. And our YouTube channel, we're trying to film as many of these podcasts as possible, including this one. But uh, let's just kind of get get into it with uh, with my my guest today. Um, so, Rock, thanks uh, thanks for coming out and, and joining us. Good to be. Have here. you ever been? Have you ever been on a podcast before? Is this, is this like a total first? Closest I've got is I've thought about doing a few, <laughs> but uh, never done one before. Well, you so. do a lot. I mean, for for business, you do you know some social media and you're on camera and do a bunch of things like that. So you're kind of used to used to the dynamic, right? Yeah, kind you know, of. we uh, we do a lot of social media, and that's why we, we've talked about doing podcasts. We've never done one. Uh, do a lot of Instagram, a lot of Facebook. Um, but yeah, podcast, this is new. You got a nice new studio here that we're uh, kicking off, so it looks great. Things look great here. What, are they, what's it, what is it in Spanish when you like, <laughs> when you do something brand new? What is that called? So both of our, so here's, so both of our wives are from the same city in Mexico, which is, uh, which is, which is kind of cool. It's true. And, uh, and they have all these, the same dichos, right? The same, the same sayings. I'm afraid, I'm afraid though, cause I don't know if I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, anyway, so what I wanted to do, the reason why I wanted to rock on is uh, is because, you know, we've known each other for a really long time, but I would say that Rock has, you know, a, a really good story when it comes to uh, basically, you know, getting to, to rock bottom, pardon the pun, and uh, and building building a, a really incredible business from that. And, you know, looking at, looking at your story, it, it kind of paralleled mine, uh, both in the nature of the story, but also the t- the timing, and you and I connected right around that that time, uh, and not that we weren't connected before, but you know we really started to uh, you know figure figure out business, figure out what we wanted, figure out entrepreneurship, and we've had you know some incredible conversations over over the years, and you've learned a lot of similar lessons as as I have, and in really the audience, I would say you know seeing what uh, you know you can become if you don't have anything to a, a thriving a thriving business in a matter in a matter of years so maybe maybe take take the audience through you know the last 10 to, to 10 uh, 10 to 12 years ish uh, regarding you know your your life uh, your ventures and uh, and ultimately what became uh, your business yeah so I want to start in 2003 um, so Patrick and I we have a long relationship we've known each other for years probably getting close to 20 years Mm -hmm. and 2003 i was doing customer service for a company uh, for an airline and newly married kind of in and out of school wasn't making a whole lot of money um, didn't know what i wanted to do with my life and i remember sending an email and this was pre-text message so it was an email Mm -hmm. i emailed pat and i said I hate my job. I hate what I'm doing. 
Uh, I'm not challenged. I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. What do you think? And Pat said, come work here. And at the time, Pat was, you know, working in the uh, financial sector. Um, I was doing customer service. I hadn't done anything like that. And so I went and worked with Pat. Um, And it really opened my eyes because I went and worked for Pat and learned a lot about finance, learned a lot about mortgages. And from there, I went on to work uh, for a company called Countrywide that uh, if you're familiar with the financial sector, you'll know that they used to be the number one lender in the country. And, and I started... Their, and their CEO had that, you know, white white hair and really dark tan. Always a pink tie. Iconic. Always right? a pink tie. Yeah, Angelo Mazzillo. Yeah. So you can Google him and find out about him and the downfall of that great company. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it was really Pat that told me, yeah, I mean, come do this. And I saw all the things that he was doing. And got into the financial world and started seeing some people that made a lot of money. And I got interested in making more and more money. And so I read some books and started buying properties. Um, Back then, 2006, seven, you could buy properties for zero down. Bought a home, lived in it for a few months, bought another home, lived in it for a few months and kept renting these homes. I got to the point where I had 50 apartment units um, comprising of nine different properties, um, which was 23-unit building, 11-unit building, sixplex, fiveplex, duplex, uh, everything. And I thought I had kind of figured this thing out. And this was 2006, 2007. Um, and I... You know, I had read all these books. I had read Kiyosaki. I loved everything that was being said. And I had quit my job, turned into a property manager, thought I was going to manage my properties and in 10 years be sufficient and be, and be done. Well, 2008 hit, and it hit hard. And I was leveraged pretty hard. I was having some cash flow that I was able to live off of. Once 2008 hit... Um, I started to lose things and I wasn't able to make payments and one by one, the house of cards started to fall. I lost a duplex in Bountiful, Utah first. That was my very first one. They always say the first one's going to be the hardest and it was. Um, and so I started to lose properties and it was extremely difficult. Um, I was at a job too that was a sales job and not producing there either. And I didn't see the writing on the wall. A lot of people maybe did, but I just kind of figured, what, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> I, a lot of people claim to have seen, seen what was going on, but there are very few that actually knew what was, what was going on. Cause it was, I mean, it, cause it, we've had a pretty cool discussions, but I think, you know, the, the thing that still surprises me is how quickly it happened. You know, it's it, that 2008 year was like, you know, the snap, fing, snap of a, uh, your fingers where it like it started and then everything just went haywire and it all started uh, to unwind. Sure. Yeah. 2008, I was 27 years old, cocky, stupid, um, thought I had figured everything out. And one by one, I was losing all of my properties. And, uh, it was scary. And I mean, there's a few epiphanies that happened. Um, 
I remember one moment where I was in line at Costco, right? And I'm checking out. I've got a grocery basket full of groceries. And I don't think you can make it out of Costco without dropping $200. And so I'm checking out and I hand my debit card over and declined. And I've got about 12 people behind me. And I'm stammering and shaking. And I'm like, uh, I'm not sure what's going on here. And I was just redlining all of my rental income with all my expenses. And I walked over to the ATM, you know, about 20 feet away and tried to take out money. There's no money there. And I just, things were happening so fast. And it was one of those never forget moments. And the other moment is when my uh, third daughter was born, all, all girls, um, we were at the hospital and to take her home, right? You get discharged. So my wife was being discharged. We're okay to take the baby home. And about a half hour beforehand, I got a phone call that the gas at our house was shut off and I wasn't able to take her home. And it scared me a lot. And again, you know, 27 years old, um, and house of cards is falling apart. And those were moments that I hang on to every day. And not that I've figured it out. I mean, there's still a lot of things that I'm, I'm learning, but there's a saying that when you have success or when you've built something, um, or become successful, that there's an equal and opposite failure, um, that can reflect, that can, I guess, propel you to get to that success. And so still figuring a lot out, but those days, um, really paved the way for me to get to where I hope to be and where I am today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's just gro- growth in general, right? I would say tremendous <clears throat> growth really doesn't happen with, without strain. And you can use that in a, you know, in a physical sense, in a, uh, relationship sense. I mean, look at how many relationships are made stronger because of strife. You know, I think the military is a perfect, perfect example of that. Uh, but but really going going through this, I mean, you you and I, we we reconnected and we you know started to really uh, leverage one another's experience, right? Because uh, very similar things happened happened to me. There was some business failure. Uh, there was also uh, real estate failure, and but I think it was it was good because I I kind of in a sense like relied on you as this like empathetic person, right? That knew what I was going through, right? And we were able to kind of you know trade war stories and try to one up each, you know, one up each other. It was, uh, it was awesome. But I, you know, I look at, you know, the, the, the work ethic that you have, because I think one thing you didn't mention is that your, your father, uh, was in real estate for, you know, the longest time, right. And he, uh, had developed property. He had owned property. I mean, you and I live, you know, when we first got married, we lived in the, the, that fiveplex that he, that he had, and it, and it's one of those you know it's it's one of those things where you know you you saw the opportunity that he created uh, and wanted to create it for yourself, but at the same time there were some lessons that he probably had learned throughout his career, right? That you know you may not have uh, picked up on. You saw the results, but not necessarily the means. So you know as you think back on this you know on this period of time, uh, what would you say are are some of the you know the fundamental lessons you think you were uh, essentially destined to learn? Well, there's definitely one, and I talked to my wife a lot about this lesson, 
And the one lesson is you cannot worry or you should not be allowed to worry about that which you cannot control. And surely, you know, a lot of this was my fault, my my over leveraging of myself. But there's a lot of things that, you know, once you make a decision and it's in the past, you really can't control it. You've already made it. And so now that goes into the category of not worrying about what you can't control. Mm -hmm. And so that was the biggest thing. There's things that happen, things that you can't control. um, And you, if you don't allow yourself to worry about those things, you'll be a lot happier. And um, I look at my life, the Costco experience, the hospital experience that I shared, those are these high watermarks in my life to where anything can happen now. And it's not going to come close to those moments to where I can go through and have, take risk and, and have these failure experiences, but they don't come close to those experiences. And so um, I guess I'm, I, I'm more willing to take risk. It's more calculated risk now than it was before. But I, I would say that lesson, yeah, just not worrying about things that you can't control is, is the biggest takeaway from 2008. And I think, you know, you, you look at when, when you're in that mode, I mean, I would, I would say instinctively you, you are afraid of what could potentially happen when you do take a risk, right? I think the nature of risk and what it, you know, how your body responds to it is you're afraid of something. And typically it's fear of loss. It's fear of looking bad, right? It's fear of not providing for a family or whatever. Uh, so I think those lessons, actually going through and experiencing, okay, what that what that pain is, starts to build some muscle around it, and it makes you more, uh, I would say, you know, stronger and more sus- not susceptible to risk, but more willing to take a risk, right? But also mitigate it, right, through understanding what could potentially go wrong. Because I, th- I would say with most decisions. There is always going to be an element that you can't control, especially in business, whether it's a market, whether it's a marketing a marketing campaign, whether it's uh, the way in which people transact. I mean, we were talking just a moment ago, Toys R Us, right? Toys R Us, gone, to, you know, today, this week, bankrupt, right? iHeartMedia, bankrupt, you know, this week. It's one of those, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you have, you always have these, you know, these, these left field, uh, you know, anomalies that, that come at you, right? Which you can never prepare for. It's like the X, the X factor idea. And, but at the same time, knowing that you are still pushing forward and taking risk, but you have a, a higher tolerance. Would you, would you say that that's helped you? You know, and we'll talk about your construction business in just a second, but do you think that's helped you with regards to what you've done there? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing with taking risk is, uh, we got to the point when we lost our properties and I lost, we lost our own home that we were living in. And so we had friends and neighbors that saw that. And so being able to let go of what others think of you and not care what others think of you, that was a hard one. And I still care deeply of what people think of me and it's hard. Um, but, I got to a point where I was comfortable of, of talking about this situation that had happened. And so that that's something that, you know, if you, you start taking new risks, you're going to have people say, you know, well, why are you doing that? Or, you know, you're no good at this or no good at that. Um, you start listening to the naysayers and it causes people to not follow their dreams or not follow what they really want to do because they're trying to please everybody else. Yeah, playing it safe. And I would say that's one of those, especially in this day and age with social media and so forth, where you know people really 
they they want to they want to look good. And I, I would say that that comes naturally in a in a sense, right? There's a kind of protection mechanism. Uh, but I would say in the end, like when it comes to business, when it comes to putting yourself out there and take and take risk, you that dynamic if it's if it's there, it's going to prevent you from making decisions, right? And thus miss opportunities. And so I think that's one big thing that I learned, which is like I don't really I I, I care about what my wife thinks of me, and I care about what you know, maybe my, my immediate family does, I don't give a crap what anybody else does. And that's where you take risk. But if you don't care what people are saying or thinking, right, then you're able to actually push forward and find opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have, wouldn't have had. Right. Because yeah, I I remember those times we were, we were, you know, our, our families, our kids know each other. Well, our wives, obviously being from the same city in, in Mexico, know each other well. And, it, you know, I'm sure that they've shared like, you know, the behind the scenes horror stories with each other just as much as we've seen or uh, shared the, the front, you know, the, the front stage stories. But it's one of those things where I'm, I'm so appreciative of what I went through and and also being able to see what you what you've gone through, because I think it built a foundation of being able to take it to another level. Now, the level, you know, where, where you're at right now doesn't mean that that's the last level and there are still going to be lessons to be learned. There's going to be pain, right? And that's just kind of the cycle, the cycle of growth, but you can now kind of prepare for it and expect it. And when it comes, you understand the purpose. So maybe walk us through, you know, cause you went from, uh, you know, you went from, you know, the, the, the apartments being gone, you had apartment, you know, I remember the, I, I was with you when your apartment burned down you got the call that you're like your apartment, one of the apartments was burning <laughs> down <laughs> up in, up in Ogden. And, uh, and so, you know, those were all gone, completely gone. I'm, I remember, and you can maybe, uh, just kind of ca- cap off the story with when you, when you lost your last, uh, last couple of apartment buildings where you were just like, I'm, it's good. I'm good. I just gave him the keys and I'm I'm done. Like tell tell us tell us that cuz you I think there was like this sense of relief, right? Where it was kind of like done and now you're on to the next phase of life. But maybe walk us through that and then we'll get to, you know, what you started doing with the with your construction company. Yeah, so <clears throat> I daily would get anywhere from 3 to 8 calls from a from a creditor during this time. And uh I defaulted, I would say on every property that I had. Um, and there was a few of these properties that were private notes, meaning I had just bought it from the owner and I was making payments straight to the seller or the owner. And the most difficult calls that I would face were from these gentlemen that had sold me and trusted me in buying their property. And I was very much a Kiyosaki-ite, um, which a lot of great principles, uh, in Robert Kiyosaki books, um, I read a lot of Tim Ferriss, um, loved his books. And I remember as I was taking these difficult calls in Tim Ferriss' book, The 4-Hour Workweek, it seems like a subheading of each chapter is is one of these great quotes that he had. You know, he'd, he'd compile a list of quotes, and each chapter had just this dynamic quote that he had found. And one really resonated, which said, I'm paraphrasing because I know I'm not going to be close on this, but it says, your success in life is directly correlated with the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Okay. So when I heard that, it, it struck a chord. It, uh, it made a lot of sense because there was one individual who was just red hot when he would call me. He would call me and he was pissed and he wasn't getting paid. And I didn't have any money, and I couldn't keep dodging his calls. And I remember reading that and thinking about it, and finally I answered the phone. And I said, you know what, I don't have any money for you. 
I don't know what else to tell you. I don't have anything good to tell you. Um, I don't know if you've seen the news, but the economy has bottomed out and, you know, I, I just, I can't pay you. I'm sorry. And just this burden had come off of my shoulders after I had told him that. And he backed down too. He's like, well, hmm, you know, what can we do to help you? And so learning to do that, um, that's something that I, that I tell my employees because my employees deal with clients and there's difficult conversations. And so that's another lesson that I learned just from that little quote from that book that I read of having difficult conversations and what that can do to your life. And when I was able to do that, I, I just, I felt so much relief. Um, people would call, uh, other creditors and I would just tell them, I don't have any money. Sorry. And I felt so much better and it it changed a whole lot. And so, um, there were the whole fall, I would say it was probably, uh, maybe an 18 month period where I was just giving back properties one at a time, one after one after one. And during that time I was looking for jobs like crazy and found a lot of just weird, strange jobs and things I never thought I would do. I was doing at that time. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself arrived at this point, but I, I've learned a lot from, from some of these lessons that, that I went through that have shaped my life for sure. So, the, so let's fast forward to, uh, I'm not, we won't mention them by name, but the, the company that you started working for, right? Which, which I guess now you could say is a competitor of yours, but you went and worked for them and discovered a kind of a, ni- a niche opportunity in the construction industry, right? That you really started to see, uh, you know, how little, uh, I would say businesses that are owned by you know baby boomers, older individuals, and their lack of ability to do marketing, their lack of ability to uh, you know really scale and, and incorporate systems. Uh, so so maybe walk us you know walk us through how you discovered that opportunity and then where things went from there. So during this period, and if you uh, if you remember, like I had no idea what I wanted to do uh, with my life back when I first talked to Pat. And so I didn't have a backup plan. I thought these properties were going to just take me off into retirement. And so as I started losing them, I started just looking for all sorts of jobs. I didn't have a degree. Um, I knew I, I had a sales background. I had done sales jobs. I did mortgages. And so I, from 2010 or so, um, I had 12 different jobs. I wrote them all down because I wasn't sure if I had that many but there were 12 different jobs that I had and they were all sales related, um, selling software, selling alarm systems, door to door, um, selling education, selling all sorts of things. And, uh, I don't have a construction background at all besides working a few Saturdays with my dad. You know, I don't, I'm not a construction guy. And so, um, I, was at job number 11, which I think I was back into mortgages again, trying to do mortgages. Um, and that wasn't working out. And a friend of mine, this was 2011, early part of 2011 now. Um, and so, yeah, about a year going through just random jobs, posted on Facebook. He said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving a great job. I'm going to do something else, but this is a fantastic job. If you're interested, let me know if you're in need of a job. And so I sent him a DM, right? Direct message. (laughs) 
And I said, what's this job you're talking about? He says, well, it's a sales job for a construction company. And uh, it's a great job. I highly recommend it. I'm sorry I'm getting out. It's uh, It's been great. I've been working there for the last five years. And so I go and interview and find out it's this little mom and pops company. And it is selling or, or estimating foundation repair. Um, repairing foundations that are sinking or home settling. Home foundations. Yeah, foundations of homes. And I'd never done anything like that. And so luckily my friend... Um, stayed on, you know, for a few weeks and trained me before he went off and did his thing. And I got into it and I started liking it. And it really saved me at a time where I didn't have any stability, turned into this stable job in 2011. And I I did it for a while. I started liking it. Um, since it was a mom and pops company, I'd kind of, you know, I, I had a, a little bit of a techie background. Um, no degrees or anything, but I was able to help them build a website, um, create a lot of their infrastructure. I remember when I first showed up at this job, they would, I'd show up to the office and they'd have printed out all of my appointments for the day. And I would take them and I'd jump in the car and I'd go and visit all these people and give them all these estimates. And I said, well, why don't we do this in the cloud? You know, we can do this on the iPhone and we can schedule this and do it on the cloud. And so pretty soon they bought all their employees iPhones and I, and I was their IT guy and I was setting up this infrastructure for this company. You're doing marketing too. You're doing, ad, you know, yeah, AdWords. we added AdWords. Yep. I built their website. And so this company pretty soon, um, had, they went from 300 estimates a year to about 680. And so got really, really busy and I wanted to partner with the owner and as partnerships often go, it uh, fizzled, and I ended up leaving. And it was because like, it was a family. It was a kind of a family-run company, right? And so, typically, if you have that dynamic, then you know if somebody is coming in that's not family, it's kind of a, a rift of sorts, right? It, it was, yeah. it was, and and he wasn't ready to give up uh, any portion of it, and rightfully so. It was his baby, um, but I felt I had helped it grow. Uh, I'd helped double their revenue and I had helped run their and create a lot of their infrastructure and done a lot of their marketing. And so I felt dearly about this company and it was hard for me to leave, but I felt what I was doing for them, I could do for myself. And I left and I built my own website and I did my own marketing. I created my own infrastructure. Cause you had no, you didn't have like a non-compete. You didn't have any, you know, kind of formal documentation preventing you from competing. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it was just, just a handshake deal. Yep. And, uh, I just felt like I could do it better. And I left and started getting my own calls almost immediately. You know, I did a little SEO, uh, a little, uh, AdWords, started getting some phone calls and, uh, from there, uh, you know, the rest is history and, and built up my company and, and compete with a lot of my infrastructure that I built with this other company almost daily. Well, walk us through another, another, I think part of the story, which is really, which is really interesting is, you know, this, it's a very local localized type of business, right? Where you're going in doing foundation raising. And, and so you, you essentially found not just, cause there's not much competition here in Utah. It's basically these guys and maybe a few other smaller places, but really it was kind of the wild, wild west as far as the opportunity is concerned and in Southern, Southern Utah. So you essentially, you know, went out and you looked at other markets and guys that had bigger operations, guys that were, you know, using different equipment, using different systems, using different processes. Walk us through how you identified like these, these individuals and then, 
you know, essentially reaching out to them and going and learning from them and their willingness to, to teach you, right? Walk us through those, those stories. So I bought a very generic book, um, one of the most generic books that you would ever see at like a Barnes & Noble that says how to run a business, or I think it's how to start a business. An idiot's guide to running a yeah, business. Yeah, something like that. And <laughs> seriously, and I, and I read through, it was like a 600-page book. And as I was planning my departure, I started reading this book. And one thing that it said was, you know, if you want to start a successful business, find a successful business in a similar market and see if you can meet their founder or the person that started it, take them to lunch, see if you can shadow them and figure out how they're doing it. And so my wife, who works for the airlines part-time, provided some flight benefits for me to where I would fly out. I I flew to Portland, I flew to Seattle, I flew to Omaha, I flew to all these different cities and I would meet with people that had been doing this for several years and found out some things that they were doing that was, you know, maybe pitfalls to avoid or successes that they had had that I should implement with my company. And that was, that. it really kind of stunted my growth and allowed me to grow a lot quicker and avoid a lot, pit, a lot of pitfalls by doing that. And I would say there's, and, and you and I have experienced this over the years, but when you, you know, when you're passionate about something, right, when you uh, have learned something, you kind of feel inclined to, to teach others, right? And so our, you know, we've, our families, we, we travel probably once or twice a year together. And, you know, we don't, we don't stop as far as, you know, our conversations about business and marketing. And, you know, we, we have these like pitch fest where you're pitching me and I'm pitching you. You know, it, it becomes this like in, insatiable desire to, to teach what you know. And, and so I would say, even though, you know, these, uh, an idiot's guide to this, that, or the other, right. May seem like a stupid approach to business. Really when it comes down to it, it's like fun- fundamentals are, are vital to any, to any business. And that's the thing. It's one of those, you know, it, you may have a business that is, you know, com- there is no competition. There has never been a business like it ever, but that is probably very rare. So the idea is like going to a business that is similar to yours that may not be competition. In this case, it wasn't because it wasn't, you know, in the same, same territory. Uh, but you, you go to them and, and really leverage their desire to, to share what they know. Cause who else are they going to share it with? They don't, you know, they probably don't have this like, you know, meetup group that, that talks about, you know, how to repair a foundation that's, you know, that's sinking. So I, I would assume that, you know, you, you really saw the passion and, you know, the success and eyes of other business owners in the same, uh, same construction niche, uh, and who are just totally willing to share with you. Yeah, that's actually a, an interesting point. Um, because I, you know, I, I mentioned you early on back in 2003, and even though you're not in construction, you've always been someone that I've looked towards for mentorship. And there's a saying, and I'm going to butcher this as well, but it's, you know, good artists copy and great artists will steal. And so stealing some ideas can really stunt your, your growth and help you get to where you want to be a lot faster. And, but just how these people that I reached out to, how willing they were to share information with me, um, it, it, you know, there's kind of a, I guess, a, a network of, you know, entrepreneurs where, you know, they're always going to be willing to, to share info because they know how difficult it was to get to where they were. Mm -hmm. 
And anyone that's interested in, you know, venturing or, or going through these uh, these learning curves, you know, if you're interested in learning, there's someone that's going to be interested in teaching you. Um, and so I, I, I'm, you know, I've always been interested in, in sharing. I've had people approach me, you know, well, how did you do this? Or it seems like the, the cliche is I want to pick your brain. Right. And so, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a wealth of knowledge that I have, but just experience that I've gained for, from doing this. And so, um, there's still a lot that, that I'm learning and trying to implement, but, um, you know, a lot of it is just stolen from other people. It's gained from from talking to other people and implementing it in into your company or or into my company, and so um, I would say I, I meet regularly with probably three different individuals, Pat being one of them. Uh, a couple other individuals where I will place a phone call or I'll go meet with them in their office and saying we're having a difficult time with this issue, or it's usually systems. It's systems are usually the main core of a business. And, you know, we have a hole in our system that's allowing our employees to rip us off here. Or they're allowing our, ploy- our employees to do this or that. And so talking to another business owner that likely you'll find out that they've faced those same Very problems things, yeah. and they have a solution for that. And so, but yeah, you, you bring that point up and it's very interesting that people that have gone through this, that have been down in the trenches and understand how difficult it is to start a company, a lot of times they're very willing to share that information and help you get to where you want to be. Cool. So let's, I want to maybe talk some specifics about, you know, about your business. And I mean, it is local, but the, the ideas, the ideas behind it and some of the things that you've been able to improve on and perfect in regards to, you know, your experience at this, uh, at this other company, I think is really, is really intriguing. I mean, I'm not in construction, but I find it, I find it intriguing. And I think the best, you know, the best way to, to, to kick it off or represent it is, is your, your little kind of video trailer that you have that talks about what you do, or you have the, uh, the leaning, the leaning tower of, of, how do you pronounce it? Piazza or pizza or whatever? Lean Tower Pizza. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because obviously that's, you know, one of those seventh or eighth wonder, eight wonders of the world or something like that. But you have, you know, you, you, know, you have the, the Leaning Tower Pizza and you correct it and it goes, you know, uh, upright and vertical. But, you know, really the here in Utah, like what's what are some of the issues with, you know, the 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 environment in which you build a house or set a foundation, not just here, you know, northern Utah, but down in, you know, the St. George, Las Vegas and, you know, the south southern utah area well utah is kind of a perfect storm because we have what's called alluvial soil all over and if you go into southern utah we have a lot of expansive and collapsible soils and so in utah we've got obviously a surrounded by mountain ranges and down in the valley we've got the jordan river and we also have the great salt lake and utah lake which create a lot of unstable unstable scenarios for these homes and so what we do, do is we go in and we stabilize and we lift these homes that are sinking. Um, or we will stabilize a home for a new build. If they're building a new home, we will install what's called helical piers or push piers to help stabilize structures and ensure that they don't sink or settle. And so that's kind of the nutshell of, of who we are and what we do. And in, in southern Utah, you have uh, soil that will actually expand when it gets wet and it can lift structures off of their foundation and so we have solutions that will prevent these homes from moving when the home is built and and like i said i mean i don't have a construction background at all um 
I just got into this and learned a lot of this by going to trainings and seminars and meeting with people. And one thing that's interesting, and we alluded to this earlier, is the construction industry is kind of a dying breed. It's, um, it's very blue collar and it's not very sexy at all. And so I luckily got into it out of a, a dire need to make money and to have a stable job. And it wasn't anything I had ever dreamed of doing, but I felt like I uncovered this, just this gold mine. And what I mean by that is when I am bidding and when I'm in this industry, the people that I compete against, if you can close your eyes and imagine a 50, 60, 70 year old individual wearing a flannel shirt, driving a Ford F-350, um, smoking a cigarette, has a legal pad, and he's writing bids and estimates down, and maybe he'll get back to you, maybe he won't. And he's late to show up, and that is your competition. And so speaking to the youth of this country that is looking for a great (laughs) opportunity, if you want to compete... There's some very, very fertile ground, and I imagine everyone here's laughing because I think I've hit it on the head. Yeah, totally. There is some extreme fertile ground in getting into construction, and when I saw that and I saw my competition, I said, I just need to be a little better. I don't know, I need to have it all figured out, and now we're in the phase where we're trying to figure it out. We still don't have it figured out, but I just need to be a little better than this guy to win a job. And so bidding, I mean, there's all these industries, there's the medical industry, there's finance industry, construction industry is a sea of money, just like some of these other industries. Mm -hmm. But there are, and and bless his heart, whatever individual I'm talking about, you know, I'm not naming names, but it it is the cliche and bidding against those people um, is quite easy because what we've seen in the mid 2000 era, the internet, the advent of information and technology and systems and automation, if you can implement that into construction, you will have great success. Well, I think this, you know, what you're hitting, what you're hitting on is totally, totally resonating great and a great visual. But, and I, and I would say that is not unique to that industry right now. They may, there may not be the, you know, the flannel shirt, definitely the yellow legal pad, uh, but it is a, there are industries that are ripe for disruption. They're all over the place. And I think if you carry the perspective of looking at inefficiency, looking at, looking for inefficiency, looking for, you know, cha- challenges, looking for failures, looking for frustrations, right? That right there is like the breeding ground for opportunity. And, you know, I look at it because it's one of those like prevalent problems in Utah where foundations crack, they sink. And like who out there really knows how to do that efficiently, how to fix that efficiently? Not many, not many people. And so, of course, you hit that gold mine, right? And you're, you know, I think the, the growth that you've had, how many, how many people do you have right now? Uh, we are 16 employees right now. Okay. And you have, you know, you have a location here, a location down in, in Southern, Southern Utah. And then how many, like how many jobs are you actively working on? Oh, on an we, ongoing basis? Yeah. Weekly, we are 15 to 20 jobs a yeah. week. And so if you look at, you know, just the, op- the opportunity that you have, it's now, you know, it's, it's scaling, right? How do you scale efficiently, which is, which is a, a problem in and, of, in and of itself. But I would say in the end, it's the, the reason why I wanted you to, to come on the show and, and talk about your experience is because, you know, even though it may not be 
you know, exactly, well, it's probably not even close to the actual uh, experience of, of you who are listening, but what it's, what it's teaching is that, you know, life is this, this, this cycle of growth where you go through experiences and they're going to be difficult ones, but you're the one that really places the definition of what the experience is. Because if you look at how difficult it is, as you mentioned, uh, it has kind of an equal and opposite, uh, just kind of amazing benefit and learning and teaching lesson. You know, it teaches you, you know, that, that experience, uh, you know, for whatever, whatever you do in, in the future. But the idea is, you know, if you can look at life that way and then also look at all the different opportunities that can, that, uh, that really do exist, then you can start to kind of mesh those together. And that right there is, is kind of, the, I would say the, the, the theme of this season, right? Which is capitalizing on this experience we have in life, right? To learn and to grow and to have success and to have, you know, what most people consider failure, but learning lessons and to just seek out opportunities. And in the end, you know, really your, what you've done, I think what a lot of entrepreneurs are trying to figure out is to provide value to others, right? Provide solutions to others, discover challenges and figure out how to help people. Now they may not explain it like that, but in the end, that's, that's really what, what it is. That's the kind of those common variables. And uh, so, so again, thank you for, Thank you for being on here and and sharing. You know, it's uh, we have an awesome friendship. I mean, we've we, you know, went on. Uh, we did a, a, a mission for our, our church, and that's where we originally met. Then I moved out here, and uh, you know, we re- we reconnected. Lived in the same apartment building when uh, when we were first uh, newlyweds. And, you know, we've been able to exchange a ton of, ton of cool war stories and, you know, it's been, it's been a great friendship. And I mean, I, I appreciate everything that you've uh, taught me over, over the years and uh, it's been a really cool, really cool experience. Thanks for having me. No, this is, this has been great. And, uh, you know, we talk, I would say, you know, probably at least monthly or so. And, um, you know, it's mostly me trying to figure things out, asking you problems, because I feel like you're quite a ways ahead of me and you've had some great success and we're just trying to figure things out at this point. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it, it's, we've learned a lot. And so, uh, I appreciate all the things that you've taught me over the, over the years. And as we're trying to, to grow as a company and scale, and, uh, we've learned quite a bit. You didn't take my advice on the whole girl thing, though. You have four girls, right? And I, I told you about like cold showers and the Chinese calendar, and you didn't listen to that advice. Well, yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard all sorts of uh, advice on that. Some, some call it a, uh, I guess, an inverted spread eagle or a turkey baster. Oh, There's all to, sorts of things. Edit, that, edit that one out. You know, I. Uh, <laughs> I, none of them worked by the way. And so I have four girls and uh, I think we're done and there's, you know, a boy would be great, but, uh, we're going to have to teach these four girls what the uh, construction industry is all about. Well, that is, uh, it's awesome. (laughs) Now our, our families have had really cool, really cool times together and you're, you're an awesome dad. You're a good business owner. You have a good head on head on your shoulders, and again, I think you're a good example to a lot of people showing what you know what's what's possible, especially starting out with you know really the the direst of circumstances. And I mean, I, I look at how much that has benefited my life, right? As far as hitting those hitting those lows, having you know collection people at your at your door, receiving those notices, having to change your phone number multiple multiple times, it's a, it's a humbling experience. But at the same time, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't replace it for the world. 
It's true. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you don't, if you haven't been through it, it's hard to, it's hard to know what it's like. And, uh, you know, at this point going through it, I wouldn't trade it for anything because it it did mold, you know, a lot of, of what I've been able to do thus far. And I remember, I think it was this morning I looked on uh, Instagram. It was Damon John. He put, uh, there are no losses. There's only times where I have won or I have learned. And so these haven't, they've been negative and painful at the time, but going through them have, you know, have helped me understand, you know, the value of staying out of debt or the value of taking calculated, making calculated, uh, risks. Um, you know, just being able to do that can, can, uh, reward big time in the future. Okay. Everyone, uh, rock, rock Jeffries was my, my guest today. And his company is Baseco. If you want to go check it out, he has that uh, the video of the Leaning Tower of Pizza, pizza or Piazza or whatever it's however it's pronounced uh, on the on the website. I think you guys would get a kick out of it. And uh, Rock again, thank you, uh, thank you a ton. And uh, those listening, thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, if you've uh, been following us for a while, we love your uh, feedback on iTunes. You can go give us a good rating. That definitely helps to uh, boost presence as well as our listenership. All right, everyone, that's uh, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us as the Wealth Standard Podcast spends all of 2018 celebrating life, liberty, and property. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll see you on the next one.